this morning before service you got to have a seat we're just going to jump right into the word so if we have the recording going that'd be great so for those that are watching online or those that are listening uh so you can connect the dots with what's happening right now uh the worship team introduced a new song this morning and the theme was receive 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 from god and this morning, I'm, I was in prayer, and I was meditating my message, and the first scripture we're going to look at has to do with receiving. And as I was in prayer, I saw myself with a football up here, and I was looking for somebody who would be a good receiver. Now, what did... So that, that ministry illustration was a fail. Somebody else. What? Somebody else. Who's a good receiver in here? Back here, all the way in the back to Daryl. Oh, no. We got to get our receivers fixed in this church. All right, somebody's got to give that back to me. I've got to find a good receiver. And And this isn't just a joke. It's not silliness or foolishness. God's talking to us right now. You see, he's trying to fix our receivers, family. Here we go. Someone else. Who's going to be a good receiver? See, the school has not replaced their lights yet, so this is, this is even more difficult. But somebody, I see something jumping up and down. Who is going to receive from God today? Somebody. The Lord is waiting for somebody to receive all he's got. I don't know. Somebody's got it. i got to wait for it. Where's... I love it. Stay right there. All right, somebody, give me that ball back. Come on. Look at that. You ready? Yes. All right, now you hang on to that. Give it back to me after the service. It's my kid's ball, but you can hang on to that for now. Let's open up the word this morning. Say this out loud with me. Christianity is not how much you achieve. Say it out loud. Christianity is not how much you achieve. Say it again. Christianity is not how much you achieve. It's how much you receive. Religion is us working to reach God. Christianity is God reached down to us. Rather than us trying to pull God down here, God came down and lifted us up to Him. It's about receiving. God is not impressed with our good works. He's impressed with our good faith and His good works and His goodness and His mercy and His faithfulness and His grace and His love and His wisdom and His presence. And we have got to become great receivers So today I want to talk to you about one thing that you and I need to receive that will literally change our lives. It'll change the way you relate to God. It'll change the way you relate to the devil. It'll change the way that you walk through life. It'll change the dimension, the level of your faith, the depth of your peace, your authority over the enemy. And it strikes right at the heart of religion and kills it 
and liberate you into the grace of Almighty God. I want you to look at this powerful scripture with me in Romans chapter 5 and verse 17. It says, for if by the one man's offense, we're talking about Adam in the Garden of Eden, God's first man, for if by the one man's offense, death, everybody say death, death reigned. We're talking about sickness and disease. We're talking about tragedies and accidents. We're talking about mental illness. We're talking about broken relationships talking about disconnection from God, death, spirit, soul, mind, body, emotions, financial, relational, death reigned into the, in the earth through the human race, through Adam's disconnection, Adam's disobedience, Adam's sin with God. Death reigned and is still reigning, have you noticed, in the earth and in people's lives. For if by the one man's offense death reigned through the one, everybody say much more. Come on, say much more. Much more will those who what? Come on, those who what? Receive, Receive, not achieve. Much more will those who receive the abundance of grace, and here it is, the gift of righteousness. That word righteousness is right with God. You can be not right with somebody in your relationship. None of us were right with God in our relationship. The Bible says everyone on earth has sinned and fallen short of the glory, the perfect standard of God. The Bible says our sin separates us from God. So here's God wanting to pour out His favor on our lives, but our sin blocks that favor from reaching us. So what do we have to do? Well, religion would say you have to do more and try harder. You have to do more good works. You have to try to be a better person. You have to give more money. You got to light more candles. You got to pray more prayers. You got to rub more beads. You got to walk farther. You got to crawl farther. You got to shout louder. You have to cover up your sins. You have to do more to balance it out. All, all of that is human effort to be accepted by God or to be right with God or to be righteous. But what does this scripture say to us, family of God? Those who receive the gift of righteousness. What will happen to the person who receives the gift of righteousness? The scripture says they will reign in life. In this life, right now, you will reign in life through the one Jesus Christ. Who wants to reign in this life? Do you want to be a victim? Do you want to fail? Or do you want to reign in this life? The key to it is this, what I'm teaching on today. This is an identity series we're in. This is part seven of an identity series. We're calling it identity theft. The devil is trying every day to rob you and I of our identity being made in the image of God. And then if you come to Christ and you become a follower of Jesus, he wants to rob you continuously of your revelation of who you became the moment you gave your life to Jesus Christ one of the first things you were given was the gift of righteousness being right with God not by our good works but by his good works on the cross now that's what I want to teach 
on today. But you need to become a good receiver. I was talking to one of my children on the way down here today about receiving. Years ago, taught me, God taught me, you have got to get your receiver fixed because I'm trying to get things over to you and you keep resisting and keep blocking, whether it's out of shame or out of doubt or unbelief or out of not wanting others to be a blessing to you, which is the primary way God blesses you is through others, which I'll teach next week in our identity series that we are part of a body that christianity is not a a solo sport it's a team sport and when you block other people trying to give to you you're blocking god and so i've learned how to just be wide open and just let people give me whatever you want to give me and i'll say thank you very much and guess what you get more stuff that way but when you're going through a crisis like my wife and i right now for those of you don't know she's battling cancer for her third time she's been going through chemo right now chemo right now and i thank god that god uh, has enabled, uh, helped me over the years to lower my defenses about receiving because, my goodness, the wave of love and provision and, and kindness from you all has been overwhelming. And what it does to our relationship uh, is just good. It's good. It's good for a church to help each other out when you're suffering. I'm going to teach on that next week about body ministry. And that's part of our identity. The church is the most powerful thing on earth when it's operating the way God's designed it to operate. But you have to become a good receiver. But today, I'm teaching on receiving a gift that nobody can give to you except for God. And that is righteousness. Romans 3, 21 through 24 says this, But now, apart from the law, meaning apart from you doing good things, good works, performance, now, apart from performing, the righteousness of God has been made known, to which the law and the prophets testify. In other words, all the Old Testament, for 2,000 years, all the prophets and all the Old Testament writers were writing up to, get to, this, this uh, punchline. You're telling a joke, right? And it's the punchline. Everybody's waiting for it. Well, this is no joke. For 2,000 years, they're prophesying about the gift of God that is coming. And it's, and it's not earned. It is not achieved. It is received. It says, but now apart from performance, the righteousness of God has been made known to which the law and the prophets testify. The righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe there's no difference between jew and gentile for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of god so just quit just stop quit trying to perform for god's love can you see how this prophetic this song was prophetic thinking back about what we were just singing over and i receive your reign i receive your love i receive i receive i receive and they just wouldn't stop and some of you are going, okay, when are we going on to the next song? Well, you see, that was the Holy Spirit that was motivating them to keep saying it, keep saying it. And as the lead uh, pastor here, I'm listening, I'm going, oh, you're talking to us right now. So rather than moving to the next song, as the program says, you recognize what God's doing and say, oh, this is what you're doing. Let's capitalize on this right now. And that's what we're doing. I got one fist pump. Boom. I'll take it, Mary. Nice. You and me, we're connected right now. Anybody else want to come along? (laughs) For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and all are justified. Say it out loud. All are justified what? Freely. 
say there's no such thing as a free lunch. Well, yes, there is. It's called the gift of righteousness. God gives it freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Jesus Christ. And this is not just for salvation. This isn't just to get into the front door of dad's house. This is every second of every day and every time you relate to God has got to be by the gift of righteousness, not by your own righteousness. And this is where the devil trips us up. It's like, yeah, well, you got in by faith, but now it's by works. And this is what I say. I never come to God based on my righteousness or my unrighteousness. I always come to God based on Jesus' righteousness, which was given to me as a gift. And same with every one of you who have come to Jesus Christ. Don't ever approach God on your righteousness or your unrighteousness. Whenever you approach God, whenever you pray to Him, whenever you talk to Him, come to Him on Jesus' righteousness. And you're in like that. This Bible, this last scripture we looked at says that you've been redeemed by Christ Jesus. That word redemption is a release secured by the payment of a ransom. In secular Greek, it's described as a conqueror releasing prisoners or a master ransoming a slave. You and I were taken captive by the enemy through Satan, through Satan deceiving Adam. He fell from God's presence, God's glory, his righteous relationship with God. Satan ripped him off, and God bought us back with the blood of his own son. We were slaves to the enemy, the Bible says. And God has redeemed us. He bought us back with the death of his own son. There's nothing you and I could do to perform that would outperform the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. We come through him. Look what the Bible says. 2 Corinthians 5.21 God made him, talking about Jesus, who knew no sin to be sin for us. This is one of the most powerful scriptures in the whole Bible. You've got to grab a hold of this for you. You have to own this. I have my name written all over the Bible. I write things like, for God made Jesus who knew no sin to be sin for John, so that in Jesus, John might become the righteousness of God in him. You've got to put your name in there. You've got to own this. This is your relationship with God through his son, Jesus Christ. This is an identity series. Who are you? Well, let me tell you who you're not if you've given your life to Jesus. You are not a sinner saved by grace. You were a sinner saved by grace, now you're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Come on, church. You've got to believe this. You got to, it's true. You just got to know it. You've got to know it, and you can walk in it. It changes the way you pray. It changes the way you believe. It changes the way you look at yourself in the mirror. Yeah, we sin. Yeah, we screw up. But when you look in the mirror, see the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Change, I mean, your self-esteem issues go away. Unbelief begins to fade away. Fear begins to lose its hold on you. This gift of righteousness, being right with God, is life-changing. It's powerful. God made him who knew no sin to be sin so that in him we might say the word become. This was a trade. This was a ransom trade. Jesus literally became sin. He had never sinned. 
but hid our sin, sickness, disease, fallenness, everything, the curse went into Jesus on that cross, the Bible said. He became sin so that you and I might literally become, through the new birth, the righteousness of God. Look at this scripture, 2 Corinthians 5, 17. This means that everyone, anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. This word new person in the Greek, it literally means new creation. It's the exact same word in the Septuagint, which is the Greek translation of the Old Testament, when it says that in the beginning, the earth was form, uh, without form and void, and God spoke and said, light be, and light was created. God created the heavens and the earth. That word literally means he made something out of nothing that never existed before. When you say yes to Jesus, your sins are completely wiped out by the blood of Jesus. Then God breathes his Holy Spirit into your spirit. The Spirit of God goes inside of you and boom, Jesus calls it the new birth. You literally are recreated. And somebody who never existed before now exists. That's what that, I'm, I'm going to read it again. This means that anyone who believe, belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is what? Gone. Thank God. A new life has begun. This isn't poetry. This is scientific. This is a miracle. This actually happens. That's why a church is not joining a club. It's not being part of some kind of organization. It's a supernatural, spiritual encounter. And all, this, all, and, uh, and all of this is a gift from God. Who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us the task of bringing other people back to him. Now. I set all that up. So that you can see how powerful this gift is and how it transforms your life. I'm going to show you four things that the gift of righteousness gives to you. You guys ready for this? Four things this gift of righteousness gives to you. Number one, access. Number two, boldness. Number three, authority. And number four, royalty. The gift of righteousness, when you receive it like that football that was thrown and she received it, when you receive the gift of righteousness at the new birth, when you give your life to Christ, it gives you access, boldness, authority, and royalty. Let's look at these quickly. Look at Ephesians 3.12. This scripture has like three of them in there all by itself. Ephesians 3.12 says, In whom, which is Jesus, we have boldness and access with confidence through faith in him. I'm telling you, a revelation of this gift is going to wipe out your spiritual insecurity like nothing else will. Let's look at the first one, access. Why do we have access? You know, I went to, uh, how many of you went to um, David's tent? You know, the worship deal that was here in San Diego? Okay, so I got an email, and in the email had uh, access pass in it for leaders in our city, pastors and different leaders. And they said, you bring this to David's tent, over at the, uh, at the fair, Delmar Fairgrounds, and you get in, it's an all-access pass. And so I'm driving, I'm like, well, I wonder if I have to pay for parking, and where do I get in? Well, you can't go in the front, because when I pulled up in the front of the fair and I showed them at the booth, they said, oh, no, no, you have a, you have a full-access pass. So you go around the back way. I said, oh, sweet. So I drive around the backside of the fair. I go in, 
through the, uh, the, the Solana exit, you know, I think is what it's called, and you come in that way, and I go up to the first booth, and they said, oh, stop, stop, you need to go, I said, well, I see, I have this uh, all access, oh, you go down that lane right there, and I, I said, sweet, I'm thinking, when, when do I pay for the parking, and I pull in, and I said, I asked somebody else, I said, well, where do I park, they said, you park right over there, I said, well, do I pay for it, they said, oh, no, you don't have to pay, I'm like, sweet. And so I park, and I park right in the back, right by the backstage where, you know, all the big-name worship leaders are. You know, Jeremy Riddle and, and Jason Upton and, and uh, Heather Nunn was there. When I saw her lead worship. It was awesome. And, uh, and so, and then I get to go, I get, I, so I go up to the table, and, and she, oh, uh, yes, is, is your name on the list? I said, well, it should be because look, you know, <clears throat> and so, so, oh yeah, there it is right there. Okay, you can go right over here to the leaders. And so there's this little section with just important people. And so I'm in there. And then we have a little important deal going on. And then we get it ushered right into the concert. And I'm standing right there and I'm saying, I like this life right here. This is the life I want to live. Special access, cost me nothing, and I get a front row seat. And I'm important. Well, guess what? You get the same thing. And it's not to a concert at the fairgrounds. It's to a relationship with the living God and access into the kingdom of God forever. Bought and paid for by the blood of Jesus. You know, one of the songs I hate, it was on the radio just recently, just yesterday. Knock, knock, knocking on heaven's door. You know that song? Knock, knock, knocking on heaven's door. I'm like, no. No, I'm not knocking on heaven's door. Jesus blew the hinges off the door when he rose from the dead. The Bible says, come boldly to the throne of grace. There are people who pray, oh God, we're bombarding the gates of heaven. Well, while you're out there bombarding the gates of heaven, I'm sitting at dad's table right next to him. And there's an empty chair, by the way, and it's yours. My kids, when they come home from school... They don't stand out in the yard and say, Dad, Dad, I'm bombarding the door of my house. Dad, let me in. Come up. Knock sheepishly. Dad, hello? Yeah, Dad, it's me. What? What? Quit annoying me. I'm working. What, why were you knocking on your own door? The Bible says that when you come to Christ, it is the Father's good pleasure to give you his entire kingdom. My kids come home from school, they just throw the door open, it bangs against the shoe holder and puts a dent in the door. It really annoys me. And they just come busting right into the house. Why? Because it's their house. They have complete access because it's, I'm their father and this is their house. When you come to Christ Jesus, God becomes your father and his kingdom becomes your house. And when you go to heaven, you're home permanently at dad's house. And it's all because of the gift of righteousness. Strangers can't do this. If a stranger just comes walking into your front door, that's not, that's not good, is it? So, uh, I was going over to our former youth pastor's house. And he used to live on a particular road in Poway. And... Because we've known each other for 15 years, and I love them, they love me, and, you know, I just, I just went up to the front door, and I just opened the front door, and I just walked in. I'm in their living room, and I'm expecting all the youth to be there, and I'm looking around, and nobody's there. I'm like, this is weird. And I look out the back window, the back wall of their house was a, was a window, a big window, and there's a strange family sitting in the back patio having dinner, the husband, wife, and their two young children. 
And the dad stands up and looks at me, and I'm looking at him, and I'm like, what's going on right now? <laughs> I totally forgot that my youth pastor had moved a year earlier. I just wasn't thinking, you know, you know how by habit you go to the same place you've gone to for 15 years. I'm not thinking, I'm walking out there, I just walk around, hey, I walk right into his house and it's not his house anymore. And the guy comes walking around the side of the house, you know, to meet me in the front yard and I came walking out and I'm trying to convince him, really, I'm a pastor, my youth pastor used to live here and I'm telling the guy his name and he doesn't recognize the last name and he's looking at me like, dude, this is not good. I don't know who you are and what story you're trying to feed me. Well, what Mike had done, Mike D'Amber, he they had done the loan through his wife's maiden name because her credit was better. Sorry, Mark, I said that publicly. <laughs> and it wasn't until that thought came to me, maybe he did the loan in Aurelia's last name and, I, and it was, and oh, he ever recognized that name. Like, oh, God. Well, this is what happens when a stranger tries to approach God through religion, through good works, rather than through the blood of Jesus. In fact, there's a parable in the Bible that says that there's this big banquet being thrown, and it's, it's, a, it's an imagery about when you get to heaven and everybody's there, we're milling around, it's the marriage supper of the Lamb, it's a party in heaven, woo! And there's somebody, and the, and, uh, the, the MC says, well, uh, who's that over there? They don't have on the right robe. And they kick him out. Well, that robe is a type of the robe of righteousness, which is given to every believer. If you could see in the spirit, if our eyes were open and you could see every believer has on a robe, it's called the robe of righteousness that the father placed on you the moment you gave your life to Jesus Christ. The devil can see it. God can see it. We just have to believe it's on us according to what the word of God says. It gives you access The second thing it gives you is boldness. Look at the book of Hebrews says, 4.12, talking about not knocking on the door, begging God to open up his throne room to you so you can talk to him. Let us therefore, since everything John just said, we'll call that a therefore, when you see a therefore, you got to back up and see what you're there for. So Paul said all this stuff that was similar to what I just said, let us therefore come boldly. Not sheepishly, not shaming, not, you don't, we don't come to God like this once you've become a child of God. My children, if my children, like, I'm, I'm going to go talk to dad. Will you go talk to dad for me? No, I'm not going to go talk to him. He scares me. Well, I don't want to talk to him. Listen, somebody, okay, let's go together, you know. And they come, dad, uh, if they did that, what's that make me look like? An abuser of some kind, right? Why would my children be afraid just to come right up to me and talk to me? Boldly, because they know that's dad. Like for many of you and people, people in the city, when they find out that I'm a pastor, all of a sudden their tone changes and they're, oh, and they start telling me how much they pray and, you know, it all changes, right? You're on an airplane and they've been cussing for 15 minutes as we're talking to each other and getting to know each other. So, so what do you do for a living? I'm like, well, I'm a pastor. And they're like, oh, you see their brain, oh, uh, what did I say the last 15 minutes? Um, and then they get all religious, right? And they change. My kids know me as dad. It's comfortable. They just come directly to me. The Bible says that Jesus calls God in heaven, Abba, Daddy. And it says when you become a Christian, he breathes the spirit of his son into you, the Holy Spirit. And out of us comes the Holy Spirit cries out, Abba, Daddy. Our relationship with God is supposed to be comfortable, easy. We boldly come to him for grace. 
that we may obtain mercy and find grace in the time of need. We should never be afraid to come to God as sons and daughters of His. Can I hear an amen yet? When my kids come into the house, they go straight to the pantry. Come home after school, they're hungry. When the friends come in, the friends just kind of either upstairs and, you know, my children bring food up to their friend or the friend kind of kind of stands off sheepishly, kind of like, they don't just walk in and go into the pantry and start eating stuff. Well, one of them does, but he's weird. But when I say, hey, yo, don't eat all the fruit snacks, man. What's the matter with you? I would never say that to my kids. Well, yeah, if they ate all the fruit snacks, but they just have freedom. They open the fridge. They don't ask my permission to open the fridge. They boldly ask me for the things they need, even the things they want. Do I always give them everything they want? Well, of course not. But they get a lot of stuff because I'm their dad. You know, one time my wife and I needed $20,000 as a down payment for a house in Escondido. And I just started the church and I didn't have any money and <clears throat> didn't have any money in the bank. And we needed $20,000. And um, so we prayed and asked God for $20,000. You think, well, that's not right. Well, he doesn't have to give it. In fact, a few days later, I got a call from one of my friends who's a money manager here in San Diego, and uh, I was just in his office, just at his home on Coronado a few weeks earlier, and we were asking him, how do we get 20 grand through a CD, and how long would it take to mature? We don't have any money, by the way, but like, tell us how to get there from here, and there was just no way of getting there from here. And so it was a few weeks later that he calls me and says, uh, hey, John, I said, hey, Marty. You got 20 grand for me? And he said, no, but a lady just walked into my office who got uh, an inheritance. And she says she was driving down Wildcat Canyon Road up in Ramona. And God spoke to her heart to give a pastor $20,000. Now, I haven't seen this lady in 10 years. She's been in my youth ministry out in East County. At that time, 10 years. Now it's been about 20 years. But about 10 years, I hadn't seen her. She didn't even know if I lived in the city anymore. She didn't know where I was. And she goes to my friend, who I was just in his house three weeks earlier. How do I get 20 grand? And so my wife and I asked for the 20 grand. So he says, well, uh, he said, well, what pastor did God tell you to give 20 grand to? She said, John Ettore. And he about fell out of his seat. I couldn't wait to call my wife and tell her. And I got a note that the, the Sunday right before that, I was just teaching the church on the father heart of God. And now he's such a good dad and he loves to give to his kids. And then I got that $20,000 check that week with a note saying, 10 years ago, you taught me about the father heart of God and it changed my life. Yeah, nice. So I got to come up to the pulpit the next Sunday and say, you remember last Sunday I was telling you about the father heart of God? He loves to give. My wife and I prayed this because we needed a home, and, right? So, so then I saw uh, there was a couple that used to go to our church and I didn't see him for a few weeks. So I called him up and I said, hey, I haven't seen you guys. Yeah, well... Um, you want, you honestly want to know why we don't come anymore? I said, yeah. He said, cause we didn't think it was right that you asked God for $20,000. And before I could think out of my mouth came, well, he could have kept it. I said, it seems that you have a problem with it, but he doesn't. You see, we just don't understand who God is. He's not a cash register in the sky. He's not a Santa Claus. And that's not what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about marrying God for his money. What I am saying is he's better than you and I are. And we give good things to our kids. Amen. So we come boldly. Look what the scripture says. In Hebrews 10. And so dear brothers and sisters. We can say it out loud. 
Say it out loud. Come on, church. Help me preach this morning. We can come what? Boldly. We can enter heaven's most holy place. No more knocking. Because of the blood of Jesus. You know, in ancient cultures, and even in some primitive cultures today, they have what's called the walk of blood. I taught on this when I did a faith series called the Blood Covenant. And in uh, tribal cultures, what they do is when one tribe uh, makes an agreement with another tribe, maybe they were at, uh, at war, and they say, let's make a treaty, we would call it. And so what they would do is they would have a priest come, and they would both cut their wrists, and they would mingle their blood together. Or they'd put it into a cup, and they'd drink it. Or they would kill an animal as a sign of life and death and make covenant promises to one another. And they would say, I promise to be there for you. I, everything I have is yours, and everything you have is mine. If we ever need something, we can ask one another for it, and we'll be right there. And if I don't respond to you, it'll cost me my life. To the point where, if somebody is unfaithful to the covenant, that person's children to the fourth generation will track that person down to kill them to stop the curse from bleeding down through that tribal's bloodline. It's called a blood covenant. And so they cut an animal and they pour the blood on the ground and the two part, the representatives of each tribe do the walk of blood. It's called they walk through the blood and they make promises to one another. Well, when God made a covenant with Abraham, he told Abraham, get a heifer, cut it down the middle, and he spilled the blood on the ground. Then it says this fiery torch came down from heaven and walked through the path of blood. And God made promises to Abraham. And the promise was, a, was the gospel that a day is coming when, when your sins will be completely forgiven by a sacrifice, which was the Lamb of God, Jesus Christ. When you receive Jesus Christ, you now are part of a blood covenant. So whenever I go to God, I see myself walking through a path of blood, the blood of Jesus, and come right up to God. I know this is a little graphic for us in the Western Hemisphere, but it's a real deal. It's a real deal in primitive cultures and tribal cultures. It's a real deal in heaven. In fact, the Bible says when Jesus rose from the dead, he went all up into, up into heaven. And the book of Hebrews says he sprinkled all the heavenly utensils with his blood. The earthly tent, the earthly tabernacle that was built by uh, Moses that God gave him the orders. God says sprinkle all the utensils in the, uh, the outer court, the inner court, going into the holy stuff. Holy, sprinkle it all with blood. The Bible says it was literally the exact prototype of what's in heaven. And so when you and I are walking into the throne room of our Father in heaven to talk to Him and ask Him for grace and mercy and needs and even desires, we come through the holiest of holies that is sprinkled with the blood of Jesus Christ. That's why we can have such confidence. It's not on your good works. It's on Jesus' sacrifice for you and I. We are sons and daughters of God. And we walk right up to him. I can kneel down like I did a few weeks ago. My wife going through chemo. I want that garden I can sit in and go through chemo and pray to God. I just want a beautiful place to sit. I've been trying to do it for for nine years. But every time you get $5,000, it disappears. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You get that extra money, you want to do something special, and poof, it goes away. Especially when you have six kids. It just goes. And so I went into my bedroom, I knelt down, and I said, God, I'm asking you for $5,000 because I want to give that garden from my wife so that she can pray to you while she goes through this chemo treatment. Two days later, 
Shauna Wright, who's a single mom here in the church, went through breast cancer herself last year, could not wait to find us. We weren't here, and, but she found, tracked down Miss Brenda and said, God told me to give this to Hope. It was a $5,000 check. And I'm in the process right now of, of making that garden for her. You see, when I went to ask him for that, I wasn't sheepish. I wasn't insecure. I just asked him. He didn't have to give it. But James says, if you, you have not, because you ask not. The next thing it gives is authority. And I've got to close this. The next thing it gives you is authority. Access and boldness. Okay, now look, I want to back over a second. I, want to clear, I hope I don't have to qualify, but I will for those who, who don't go to church or often don't hear all the teaching. That this isn't about just getting stuff from God. I've asked him for a bunch of stuff I haven't gotten yet. <laughs> I've asked him to pay off my mortgage for years and not a dime. I'm praying for my wife to be healed of cancer. It hasn't happened yet. I have all sorts of prayers that I'm praying that aren't answered. I'm telling you about the ones I've answered. But my point is the boldness, the access. Authority, Ephesians 6, 10 through 14. The third thing it gives to you. A final word, Paul says to the Ephesians church. Be strong in the Lord and in the mighty, in his mighty power. Put on the, all the God's armor so that you'll be able to stand firm against the strategies of the devil. Stand firm against, the Greek word is antihistamine, which we get the word antihistamine from, which is histamine. It blocks histamine. Histamine is a compound that's built up in your body when you have an infection or something, and it's histamine comes. But if you don't block the histamine with antihistamine, it can actually end up killing you. And so this word to antihistamine, block the strategy of the enemy. You and I can block the strategy of the enemy with the armor of God. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood, but against evil rulers, authorities, and the unseen world, against mighty powers in the dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. That word we are not fighting against, the fighting against there is a hand-to-hand combat. I was a wrestler in high school. And you come out on that mat, man, as soon as you as soon as you connect, bam, I mean, you're in it like this. That is what life is like. You and I are wrestling against sickness, disease. We're wrestling against emotional depression, mental illness. We're wrestling against difficult people, financial struggles. We're wrestling against the satanic opposition. It is a hand-to-hand combat on a daily basis. And he's saying you have to understand there are spiritual forces that work strategizing your demise. But the armor of God gives you authority over all these strategies of the enemy. And when you are in hand-to-hand combat, you will win. And you'll see why. Fighting against flesh and blood. Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so you'll be able to resist the enemy. That's antihistamine again. You'll be able to uh, antihistamine the enemy, block in the evil time. Then after the battle, you will be standing firm. That word literally means to be found standing after an active battle. Not like, oh God, we made it through that. But I'm still alive. No, that's not the armor of God. You weren't wearing the armor of God. You were wearing something else. And it wasn't the armor of God. Somebody got down to Kmart or something or down to Kohl's. And they said it was on sale. But it wasn't because they just jacked the price up. And then they say it's a sale, 50% off. And then it's a regular price, by the way. No, when you're wearing the armor of God, when the battle's over, you're standing firmer than when the battle began. 
Because you go stronger and stronger and stronger as you go through trials when you are doing it with God. Because he's infusing you with his strength. Which you receive by knowing you have been given the gift of righteousness so you can go to him and get it. But if you don't believe you have the gift of righteousness, you distance yourself from God and you don't receive Christ strengthening you because you are afraid to receive it because of insecurities. It says you'll be standing firm. Then it says, verse 14, stand your ground. That word is the Greek word that means after the battle's over, you're standing your ground ready ready for the next battle. Stand your ground, putting on the belt of truth and what? The body armor of God's righteousness. God's righteousness, not your righteousness. This is about authority over the enemy. When somebody knocks on our door, our grand dog lives with us. My son, who got himself a dog while he's in college, and I said, don't do that. Not a good idea. You don't go to college and then get a dog. We'll end up taking care of the dog. Please don't do it. I'm taking care of your first dog already, right? Anybody? Yeah. So we have... We have, I have one grand dog, and he's, he's, he's blind and deaf and about ready to go on to heaven. Yeah, I believe animals go to heaven. I just believe it. Probably not true, but I'm believing it. So shh. I've already told all my kids that's what happens, so shh. They won't care once they get there, but right now they care, so let's just lie to them. All right. So. I <laughs> Amen, Mary. I believe with you too, but I'm not sure what these people are going to think about what we believe. So shh. <laughs> lose more members because we believe animals go to heaven. They have made a movie of it. All dogs go to heaven. Four-headed beasts too. And I think I have a few of those living in my house. <laughs> so I got another grand dog now, and he's not trained. And when somebody knocks on our door, oh my God. <laughs> Right? Anybody got one of those? A tiny yapper? What is he saying? Oh, I don't think so. This is my house. Right? That's the way you and I are to relate to the devil. Oh, I don't think so. Just bare your teeth. Turn to your neighbor and go, like that. Yeah. That's it. That's what, that's what Sage does. He goes, like this. We had a dog trainer come over to help us recently. And we just yell at Sage and tell him to shut up, and he doesn't. She walked in the house. Sage goes, she goes like this. And he goes, that's awesome. So I've started doing it. It works. I was going to try it on Hope, but I'm not quite sure that's going to go over well. Oh, you guys make me say silly things. We aren't to be afraid of the enemy. We have authority over him. This is our house. I don't think so. Because there's authority. Jesus said, I give you authority over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. We've got to put our foot down and say, nuh-uh. 
Not, not here. And we, as a spiritual community, are doing that right now with those who are suffering in our body, including my wife. We're putting our foot down and saying, no, not here. And we're in hand-to-hand combat, and we're going to win. Amen? The last thing it gives you is royalty. Access boldness. Authority and royalty. This gift of righteousness has been given to you. Romans 8.16 says this, The Spirit Himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we're God's children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. Wow, that's crazy. Not even sub-heirs. Not like... uh, A neighbor kid that you took in for a little while. Co-heirs with Jesus Christ to the kingdom of God. Do you understand what that means? That means everything Jesus has, we get. You don't all seem too excited about this. It's like, yeah, yeah, we know. Seriously? You think about Prince Harry, right? Prince Charles' son. And he marries a non-royal girl from the United States. She gets everything he gets. Co-heir to the United Kingdom. Do you think the Queen's happy about that? I don't think so. But God is happy that you, a Gentile, have been brought in to the royal family. You are royalty in Christ Jesus. The royal families of the earth are poor and nothing compared to who you are. Royal sons and daughters of God. And Satan knows this. Do you? First Peter says this, but you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood. A holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. And the, John the Apostle, the resurrected Jesus Christ, appears to him while he's on a penal colony, uh, the island of Patmos, as a prisoner for the gospel. And John writes this, From John to the seven churches in western Turkey, may the kindness of God's grace and grace overflow uh, the kindness of God's grace and peace overflow to you from who, from Him who is, who was, and who is to come. And from the seven spirits who are in front of the throne of God. That's the seven manifestations of the Holy Spirit. And from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn from among the dead and the ruling king, who rules over the kings of the earth. Now to the one who constantly loves us and loosed us from our sins by His own blood. And to the one who has made us to rule as a kingly priesthood. To serve his God and Father. To him be glory and dominion throughout the eternity of eternities. Amen. I want to say something to you that were raised Catholic like I was. And I learned a lot through Catholicism. I learned how the reverence of God. I learned a lot of good things. But what I did not learn was that I do not need a priest to get to God through. In fact, the Bible says, once you come to Christ, we're all priests. A priest is someone who 
who is a connection between God and people. That's what a priest does. Represents God to people, represents people to God. Jesus is our high priest, it's said. And he's made all of us a kingdom of priests. In other words, in the Old Testament, one special person named the high priest was the only one allowed to go into the presence of God. But once Jesus shed his blood, it says the curtain that separated the temple in Jerusalem, it was a 60-foot curtain, and it was six inches wide. It went from the top right down to the bottom, split wide open, which means anyone who receives Jesus Christ, you can do the walk of blood. You don't have to be a special priest you are just a sinner that received christ you then immediately made the righteousness of god you can walk right into the presence of almighty god you are you are we are what does it say that we are a kingly priesthood and you can go to your friends at work and your neighbor your family members and as a priest you can talk to them about god and bring them to god you can go to god and pray for your friend on their behalf that they would be saved and they would meet god you are a priest of god Wow! Man, the devil doesn't want us to know who we are, which is why we're in a series called Identity Theft. Access boldness. Authority and royalty. That's who you are. Through the gift of being right with God. Jesus' credit rating became yours. Your credit rating Became Jesus's and he died and buried it. You always come to God on Jesus's credit ready, not on yours. I'm going to close with this salvation. Some of you here today maybe have never given your life to Jesus or maybe online you're watching or listening. Never given your life to Jesus Christ. Listen to this scripture in John 1.12. But to as many as did receive. Everybody say receive. Remember Christianity is not how much we achieve. It's how much we receive. But to as many as did receive and welcome him, that is Jesus, he gave the right, the authority, the privilege to become children of God. Everyone is God's creation, but not everyone is God's child. You become a child of God through the new birth. Right here it says it. Jesus gives you the right, the authority, the privilege to become children of God. That is to those who believe and adhere to, trust in, and rely on his name. Who were born not of blood, natural conception, nor of the will of the flesh, physical impulse, nor of the will of man, that of a natural, a natural father, but of God. That is a divine and supernatural birth. They are born of God, spiritually transformed, renewed, and sanctified. That's the Bible right there. And Colossians 1.13 says, For he has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son who purchased our freedom And forgave our sins. Boom. You are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Let's pray. We began with receiving the worship team, repeating over and over and over, receive, receive, receive. Father, the Lord gave me that illustration this morning to throw that football to receive. 
What is it you need to receive from God today? Just close your eyes for a moment and just take a moment. Do you need to receive His unconditional love? Just humble yourself and let Him love you. It's a gift. Receive His love like you're catching a football. Maybe you need to receive a fuller revelation of your freedom and your walk with God. It's a gift of righteousness, not your own works. Ask the Holy Spirit right now. Say, Holy Spirit, open my eyes to these things. Let me see who I truly am with my Father in heaven. Some of you right now need to take authority over the enemy. He's been harassing you, tormenting you, and you have felt like he has authority, the authority he does not. Right there where you are, if that's you, if he's harassing you with condemning thoughts, tell him to shut up in the name of Jesus. I mean it, like right there where you are. He says, shut up in the name of Jesus. I have authority over you. Maybe you are living with condemnation because you've sinned and you feel like God is just disappointed with you. That's not the gift of righteousness. That's you defining your relationship with God based on your goodness or your badness, not on the goodness of Christ. So right now in your own mind, just drop that and receive. Intimacy with God as a gift. And for those of you who have never received Jesus as your Savior, today's a good day to do that. You can do it right there where you're at, right in your seat. Just say, Jesus, I believe what I heard today. And I need the gift of righteousness. You're never going to make it to heaven on your own good works. It's an impossibility. You have to receive the gift of God, which is His Son, Jesus Christ. So right where you're, right there where you're at, say, God, I receive your Son, Jesus, right now as my Savior. I receive the gift of righteousness. I turn my life over to Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of my sins. I'm going to ask the prayer teams to come down front. These prayer teams are going to be down here and they are going to pray for anybody who comes down front for miracles, for healing, for salvation, for deliverance, for encouragement. They flow in the supernatural. We're talking about real miracles, real healings. We have so many testimonies of people being healed down here, people being saved down here. When they, They'll have gifts of the Holy Spirit flowing through them, words of knowledge, words of wisdom, gifts of faith, gifts of healings words of knowledge Jesus says we're two or more on earth agree as touching anything they ask 
Oh, you know what? Before we do that, I'm sorry. We should probably receive the offering. <laughs> I like that. A church member said, yes. Let's receive the offering, and then we'll get into a time of ministry here. I'm going to grab, I'm going to do a, a couple announcements here real quick, too.